2: up everyone welcome back for a brand new edition of collider ladies night i am very very excited to welcome abigail cowan to the show because fate the wing saga it is like a highly addictive binge watch i didn't watch the first season when it first came out but it was recommended to me and man i blew through seasons one and two disturbingly <sighs> fast oh thank you so much i'm so happy to be here thanks for having me All right. So you have not been warned. The first order of business on Collider Ladies Night is playing dicey questions with the dice tower behind me. I've got eight questions here. You get three rolls on the tower and whatever questions I land on for you, that's where we start at least. Okay. All right. We are kicking this off with a number four. You got an easy one to start here. This one is binge watch. What is the most recent TV show that you have binge watched? Uh, Breaking Bad. I had never
3: seen it. So I was, it was on my list of things to see and it did not disappoint. So I've been, uh, binge watching that right now. So is it on to Better Call Saul next? I guess. I mean, if that's recommended, then heck yeah. Cause I love, love
2: the the content. It's so cool. Better Call Saul just like cleaned up with Emmy nominations. So it could be a perfect time to jump in. Yeah, exactly. Got to finish Breaking Bad first,
3: but then that was right. next.
2: Yeah. All right, I got your second roll in the tower here. We are moving over to a number two. So number two is called high low. Can you give us one audition high, but then also one audition low, and tell us what you learned from that low? Oh, geez,
3: there's so many lows in this in this uh, world of acting and auditioning. Um, let's see, an audition high. I mean, I'd probably say the, I mean, probably the ones that I've I've booked, so I would say that, well, I guess it could be a high and a low, because for fate, actually, I mean, that's, of course, a high, because I, you know, got the wonderful call that I um, booked the role, but then that also, walking out of there, felt like a low the first time, because I was on my way to the airport, and my car had broken down, so I literally had to go right from the audition, my first audition for it, right to the airport, and I was going to be gone for like a few months and I have a problem with overpacking in the first place. So I had this like suitcase about the size of me and I had to lug it into the <laughs> casting office and it was just such a scene and everyone was like so quiet and I was like bah, 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 into the um, into the office and it was quite... Um, quite the scene and then also no pun intended but also in the um in the first episode of season one bloom is arriving to the school with the suitcase so i also then later i was like oh my gosh they think that i was like either a method actor or like totally trying to like be in the role showing up to this audition room with a with a suitcase so that would be a a low as well that was quite embarrassing but
2: Got called back, so. <laughs> As someone who is uh, currently beating herself up over overpacking for TIFF, I 100% understand all of this. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, overpacking is a, is a issue. Right, I'll follow, I'll follow up on that and, uh, and ask a fun question about that. So you're, you're overpacking. What is something that you absolutely must take with you wherever you go that someone else out there would be like, why are you even wasting space in your suitcase for that? But you need it, it's important to you. Oh God, I could lie right now,
3: but I'm not going to. I, in the sake of um, not embarrassing myself, but I would say my um, my special blanket.
2: I love can't sleep without it. This I girl still it. has a
3: blanket. i will tell you.
2: I was just having a conversation. It's something about taking things from home with you. I was just having a conversation with someone else who who packs candles and and photos of friends and family to go wherever they need to go. And it's because when you're traveling as much as you guys do, it's it's not easy yeah no it's yeah but
3: never thought about the photo thing the candle thing i would be afraid of it breaking in my suitcase because that's usually my luck but smart i mean i love candles interesting
0: yeah, I, I my,
2: my first
3: Air any idea <laughs>
2: <laughs> well good good luck adding to uh to the already overpacked suitcase yeah literally all right i got one more roll in the tower for you all right this, this is fun Oop, can't do a number two again or a number four again All right. We are wrapping this up with a number one. This is a fun. This has become my favorite question to ask. This is zombie apocalypse team up. So there is a zombie outbreak on the set of the Wink Saga, and you have to select two cast members from the show, not their characters, the real people to team up with. Who do you pick that would give you the best chance of surviving? Two. Two of them.
3: I would probably say. I'd say precious for one because she's insanely calming and I am the polar opposite. Like if something goes wrong, I'm like, everybody panic. And so I think she would keep the, keep the group calm and come up with um, rational, logical solutions. And then I would maybe choose it would be between, Elliot and Alicia, but I would maybe say, cause they're both very, everyone is intelligent, but they're both like quite um, intellectuals. So I would, I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to say Alicia because she worked in, um, in science before, or she worked in um, lab work or something. So she could kind of know how to maybe come up with a, um, a cure or like, if someone were to get bitten or whatever could crack the code of the zombie apocalypse
2: i really appreciate the reasoning behind that i feel like i often hear like i want the biggest strongest person or the nah. first you're a runner though you can run yeah i'll <laughs> do the running and then
3: and then yeah i think i always think with that kind of stuff people do want the the big and the strong but like i think we need brains and i think we need problem solving
2: and then it's really true yeah, I do have to say it is so refreshing to see someone running in a TV show who legit can run. <laughs> like, you know, there's just been so many times where I'm like, you don't ever run in your free time, but I could totally tell that I was doing my like little Wikipedia reading, and I saw that you did track and field. I'm like, this totally makes sense. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, thank you. That's a compliment
3: because when I rewatched it, I was like, Oh my gosh, I thought I could run. And I look like, uh, like I'm like running with my hands like this for some reason. At one point I was like, what is going on? So
2: thank you. I... No, you, you look, you look legit. I was very impressed by that. All right. Let's get into the meat of our conversation. Now, every single collider ladies night conversation starts here. What was the movie, the performance you saw or personal experience you had, you name it. That first made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor and nothing else.
3: You know it's interesting. I get asked that a lot and I lately like I've never really like known the answer and like cuz a lot of people have that one thing they're like I saw this and I knew. It was it's weird for me because I grew up kind of in the middle of nowhere and didn't really we were just always outside playing and so didn't really watch a lot of movies still did like every Friday night we would go to Blockbuster and I don't know do you remember Blockbuster of course I remember Uh, Blockbuster. but we'd get a movie but I would always get kind of the like I don't know cheesy kids movies stuff like that at that time because that's when it when Blockbuster was around for me but um I would say I mean I grew up loving loving film and loving you know loving tv but nothing like I don't want to say tasteful, but it was just more, you know, a kid watching movies and TV. So I would say more it came from being outside and playing and creating like different stories and having absolutely nothing else to do but that because my brother and I didn't, we didn't really have like, it wasn't like a normal neighborhood where we grew up. It was each, like we grew up on land. So we didn't really have neighbors nearby. We didn't really know our neighbors. So um, coming from that, I think, and also playing barbies by myself realizing like wait I could like I literally would get so into the barbies like I would like create tears and be like in this story it sounds so pathetic but literally playing by myself and I was like wait I could do this (laughs) for a career (laughs) like this is so cool so I would say that that it comes from falling in love with um imagination I think
2: I can understand that. So then taking that to kind of the next phase, do you remember the first time where you were able, like you knew you wanted to be an actor, but do you remember the first time that you felt like you were really good at it? Like you were doing it, whether it was in some sort of program when you were younger or maybe on a professional set. And you said to yourself, like, you know what? Like I have what it takes and I believe in my ability to go to the <laughs> in this business. If I'm being honest, I mean, I still don't feel like that like
3: I think it's like a big I know everyone talks about imposter syndrome it's you know a big part of that and then also I don't know I've talked to a lot of other artists and they're just like you're so self-critical and you're so um a lot of us are insanely insecure in our craft too and I I don't know if um I hope I get to that point of being like wow I'm great but like I don't think there was ever it still hasn't really been a moment where I'm like I can I know for a fact I'm going to be able to do this for the rest of my life because it is such an up and down industry, and you genuinely never know. And it's, um, yeah. I don't know if I really ever fully felt that. I think when I was on, I do remember the feeling of like I need to really pursue my dreams was when I was on the set of um, Stranger Things. I had a really tiny little role with a couple lines and. I was driving I think back from a fitting and I remember just like having this overwhelming feeling of like I need to because I was living in Florida at the time I was like I need to do this for the rest of my life like I need to at least try or I won't you know die happy like I need to know that I tried so I think that was a good that was like a, a big pivotal moment for me but I don't think I've ever really felt the like wow I'm
2: good you know it's a weird it's a weird industry Weird. I always feel like such a jerk asking that question because I'm like a, a perfectionist who is super hard on herself. So if someone yeah. asked that question my way, I would have given the same exact answer that you just did. It's so funny because I feel like
3: so many artists feel like that. Like so many or people just in this industry in general feel like, you know, there's it's just a very, um, I guess, self-critical. It allows for a lot of like self awareness and self-criticism or critique and um, can make it kind of difficult.
2: Filling out the roadmap here. You just brought up Stranger Things. So did you do Stranger Things before you officially made the move to LA? Were you still studying in school when you did that show?
3: I was. I was. I was. um, I won't lie. I didn't really want to go to school (laughs) at all. I was like, I just, you know, I was like, when you're in, you know, when I was in the small town that I was in, I was like, I don't know how I could ever really do this for a career. It doesn't make sense. So I, you know, got into a decent school and I was like, I'll do it. Um, but it was still fully, fully on my heart and, um, acting was, and I actually booked Stranger Things out of my college dorm room. My brother helped me tape and it was like a, like a few lines I had to do. And then I found out I got it and, um, luckily was doing online classes. So I was able to kind of continue, but, um yeah drove up to Atlanta where they shoot and met a girl out there who I actually was on the set with and we were like rash decision we were like should we just move to LA and she was like yeah I'm down
2: so then we ended up rooming together for a couple years and that was the move but yes I was in I was in Florida I mean sometimes you just got to do the rip the band-aid off type of type of way of moving to LA otherwise we'll never do it <laughs> Yeah. And that was kind of my, that was kind of my,
3: um, my mindset about it. I was like, if I don't do it now, I'm going to graduate from school. I'm going to get into that mindset. I'm going to go, you know, into a corporate job and, you know, probably love it, but always have it in the back of my mind of like, I really want to do acting, but I won't I'll definitely say it wasn't easy coming out of here. We were sleeping on mattresses on a floor, sharing a room with no air conditioning in North Hollywood. And it was a definitely a, um, a it's been a journey. I'll tell you that.
2: My watch currently says it's 102 degrees in the valley right now. So as you just explained that, like my heart sank for you. Oh my god, it was so bad. My roommate and I, we would literally be like
3: just we would be sitting like literally on our mattresses on the floor, like sweating. And we'd be like, Okay, we need to, but we couldn't really afford a lot of gas, like or we didn't have a lot of money for gas money, so we had to save them that, but we would still go downstairs sit in the car with air conditioning for a bit and like cool off and be like, okay, we're good. We could go back in the apartment. It was a, it
2: was not fun. Okay. So when you got out to LA, what did you at the time think was the first right step to becoming an actor? And now looking back, would you recommend that as a first step to somebody else who's first moving out here? I mean, I, I mean, first step is, I think always, you know, get
3: an agent and, you know, some, I, I felt very fortunate because I had already had my agent out here. So I was able to kind of just get into the swing of things and get to auditioning. Um, so I would say that that's really the, I mean, the first step is, is kind of have a game plan because I think that I've seen it so many times and it's hard because you're managing your own schedule. Um, yeah, having a game plan of how you want to do it, what your next steps are. And I think also treating it like a, treating auditioning, as a full-time job and that's kind of what I did I was like I'm gonna treat this like it's my nine to five and I'm gonna if I'm not at an audition I'm gonna be home studying for the next one and when it hits five o'clock I'm good but I will put as much work as I can um until yeah until or in in the process and also learning to love auditioning because it's never a lot of people hate it but I think if you convince yourself it's the same thing for me as like running I'm like Deep down, do I like it? No. Do I convince myself and tell myself I love it? Yes. So I think the learning to love auditioning and making it like a fun process makes it a lot um, easier, I would say.
2: When uh, When you moved out to LA, what was the first thing that you did book after committing to treating auditioning like a nine to five job? I booked a pilot called Wisdom
3: of the Crowd and oh wait was that before yeah that was the first thing i booked and um which was like super exciting and then it got actually it got picked up but then mid season got got canceled so again just the nature of the industry you never know but
2: yeah i think that was the first first thing i booked So something like that happens. I always love asking about bumps in the road. And I imagine early on that kind of experience can rock you a little. So what was the key to, you know, looking at that kind of situation, knowing that you had nothing to do with that ultimate decision for the show to get canceled and then, you know, being able to forge forward with some confidence in yourself? Yeah. You know, it's
3: weird because that's, again, it's the nature of the industry. So you have to have really thick skin. Um, I have learned do not, get married to anything in the process of one auditioning, in the process of filming, in the process of it being done. And once it's out, then you can kind of like have your little celebration, but like, you know, reviews are gonna be, could be not so great or, you know, the project may not do so well. So it's like a weird, I just like don't let myself, and it's probably very. I'm like, people are probably like, go to therapy. But like, I'm like, don't, I'm like, I don't let myself get excited until I, even until I'm like, it used to be until I'm on set. And then even after that, you know, because the show, it got canceled. And then I was like, okay, so I can't wait. Or I can't just like not get excited until I'm on set. I need to wait until the whole thing is released and then even then, you know, if it doesn't do well, you're not having your hopes up and your worth isn't in that one project. And I think that's the number one thing to do. So basically just never get excited.
2: As as someone who kind of like literally cherishes every single opportunity that comes her way, I can't even imagine having to be in that kind of mind frame when you tackle a project. But the way you lay it out is kind of necessary in such a volatile business like this. Right. I mean,
3: it's so, it sounds so pessimistic and such a horrible way to live, but it's like a protection. I mean, I'm the same way. I'm like, I can't even believe that I even get to do this for like a living because you know, where I came from and it just doesn't seem realistic to even be able to do it in a for a career. But uh, so yeah, every single thing that comes my way, I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, but I have to, yeah, it's like a, self-defense, protect yourself, because you never know what's gonna, gonna happen or come from it. So it's a, and, you, and if it does, you know, do well, it's like Christmas day and it's the greatest
2: thing in the world. And then you can be accepted. Exactly, that's, that's why you gotta go that route. And also I feel like when you stress about something, it means you really care about it. And I feel like no one's gonna have longevity in this business unless they care that deeply about the, the art that they're making. So true. It's so true. So it's a fine line of like finding that,
3: finding that balance, like knowing that also, you know, carrying this deeply, you're going to go through a ton of heartbreak more than, you know, it, not more than most, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a, um, a wild ride. I always say it's like high highs and low lows. It's never just like smooth sailing. <laughs> like it's because the highs are so high and you're like, wow this is a dream come true and then the lows are so low because it's literally your heart on your sleeve and your everything because this you know my job is everything to me so it's a weird weird um thing to balance yeah
0: oh
2: I very much understand that and you power through the low lows, so you get to the high highs. And one of the ones that I wanna bring up before we jump into Wings Fall Force is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I absolutely adored. But specifically with that one, I was wondering if you took anything from Kiernan as the lead of that show, not just in terms of her being you know, the lead character, but more so how she carries herself as number one on the call sheet, because oftentimes the number one on a call sheet can really set the tone in an environment like that. So was there anything she did on that set that made a big impression on you that you find yourself using on Wing Saga? Yeah, I'm like, I just decided to play it just like Sabrina. I'm like, I'm playing Sabrina. Um, no, I
3: I 100%. I mean, I um, I said this in an interview the other day to just not even being asked about it because I genuinely feel this way. She was so organized, so just like, I don't, I never saw her complain once or have a negative outlook on anything. And that did genuinely set a tone for everyone else. And it was just like a, how can we ever be like, oh, I'm tired, it's been a rough day. Well, one, how could we, we have our dream job and it's the most, I mean, beautiful thing in the world to be able to do it. And two, how could we when, you know, Kieran is working, day in, day out, comes to set prepared, never misses a line, is always there on time, it set a standard for us as well. We're like, we work, like, two days a week. We can't, like, mess up here because if she's doing that, then... So it definitely um, was very inspirational, and I learned a ton. And definitely learned in that moment, like, in that time of... of. um of filming that I would have not been able to do that, what she did. And it's funny because I actually originally auditioned for Sabrina and am so happy that, you know, I I had never been a number one ever and I had no idea what it entailed and being able to go through that and, you know, watch how she handled it all was just a humongous learning experience. And I don't think I, I mean, could have at all. I mean, she was just the perfect soprano and the perfect number one. And yeah, I mean, everyone still talks about it. They're like, it was just crazy how hard of a worker she was. She
2: was like 18. I was
3: like, how is this like possible? But it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When I was that age, I can't imagine carrying myself with such professionalism. So it really does blow my mind when I hear about young actors just carrying themselves in such a manner on a show it's so impressive and that that paves the way to Winks quite yeah. nicely so even with her setting an example and even with having had the experience of being on the sets of two other major netflix series what is something about the way that Wink saga was shot in season 1 that all the experience in the world could never have prepared you for something that really caught you by surprise when you got into it
3: i think i well i was prepared because of watching how Kiernan did it and the way that she valued her sleep and valued her eating and valued her everything it was like, you need to be healthy. You need to like, because it creates energy. That, again, I'm so happy I learned because if I hadn't done that, that would have been a very big um, issue. But I mean, no one can prepare you, especially a, a Florida girl for the cold weather. So I think that's what it was. That would be like the number one. But it was like, I... I yeah I like had seen snow like twice in my life and then there was no snow rainy and cold and it was supposed to look like we were in um in like summertime so I was in like you know maybe like a light jacket or like short sleeves and freezing cold in the winter with rain so that was definitely a um and then trying to get your lines out too where your like teeth are are, like chattering you're like (laughs) like trying to have a scene. It's like, that was interesting. But um, yeah, got used to that real quick. So
2: I, I am a big old baby in the cold. So that answer speaks to me a little too much. Um, another part of the process of making a show that really fascinates me is, uh, I don't even know if you did this. Maybe I should ask you if you did this first. Was it the kind of situation where you shoot the first episode and then you go on hiatus for a little bit, like a pilot episode? No, no. We just
3: went right through. We started and we just didn't stop. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty heavy heavy schedule season one. Season two was a bit less like of a heavy schedule. It was kind of, you know, we're focusing on more of other characters and their storylines as well. So kind of, um, I think, gave a little breather for all of us. But I, yeah, no, we were, it was every single day for me. And I honestly learned, like, I would prefer that. Over having time off any day, like I love being in a routine, and I love having, you know, something to also hold me accountable. Because in in your off time, you're like, okay, what do I do with my day now? Like, got my audition done. Now what? So, I I honestly would prefer the day in day out over like having a couple of days off. For you know, I say that now and then I'm gonna. <laughs> the
2: next time I'm in it, I'm
3: gonna be like, why did I
2: you're speaking to me too much right now i'm go 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 nonstop. that's the better way to work any day I, for me at least um let's get into some of the cast here so of this entire incredible ensemble of all of the actors you get to work with who would you say has the most polar opposite ways of attacking their material and the, the process that they use where when you're these two people, when you're their scene partner, you know that you on set are going to get an entirely different acting experience? Um, It's interesting because I feel like we all kind of
3: do the same in a way. I, I would say I more so in like, when it's like a pretty serious, like, I will kind of be in it and I can still like have a conversation and like whatever and like kind of like laugh here and there but I'm more like focused on like okay where do I like very very meticulous and um okay maybe in that case I'm very meticulous and I like want to do I'm all and it's a bad habit I need to like get out of that but like again very self critical so i'll do it a uh, a take and i'll be like no 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 i need to do it this way i'm going to do it that way and i always want to like tweak it and um i would say maybe either precious or danny they're very just secure in their in their process and they just do their their lines and then they're like okay cool i did it like no like questioning afterwards or whatever. Although I think Danny kind of we would we would kind of be our support in that and be like, we kind of like, did you think that was bad? Do you think this was bad? So I I would say more precious. Precious is um very just like cool with it and very like seems quite secure with like the way that she does it and she does a great job. So it's I would love to get um I would love to be more more like that and not come home every day and be like crap i should have done this or i should have done that or you know and send myself into a panic attack but i would say that and and but the rest of the girls are kind of like that too like elliot and hannah they're very much like okay like i know what i did i'm good all good like moving on and i'm like wait no like maybe we can do this so maybe that but
2: oh i get it i envy that mentality all all too much right now um I am going to put up the spoiler warning at this point. So you can talk about everything that happens in season one and season two freely. So this is the one and only spoiler warning. You can push pause on this interview and after you watch the second season of the show, you can come back and just push play and continue on. So spoiler warning is out there. You are free to talk about whatever you want. All right. So this, this next question is a little bit of a big one, but Bloom has a habit of making decisions in the heat of a moment that, that often put her at risk. And no matter how many times her friends tell her not to do that, she keeps doing it. So of the bunch, of all those like big, wild, in-the-moment decisions that she makes, is there any particular one that was most challenging for you as the person playing her to understand and, I guess, wrap your head around where, you know, maybe it called for more workshopping or even talking it through with Brian and the writers? Um, I mean, I would definitely say when she's,
3: uh, when she kills Rosalind. like, I think, that, I mean, yeah, that is interesting because, um, I, you know, watching it back, it was quite, uh, like, it wasn't as explosive as, as Bloom usually would be in these kinds of moments. It was just more like a little look and then just like a, like, boom, dead. Um, but that took some discussion of like, I was, it, it was, it, that was challenging because I was like, okay, you know, this is where her, her powers are at their max. And it's called, she's, she calls it losing control, but is she really losing control. Like, and she admits later on, no, I knew what I was doing. And so that was kind of a weird personally thing for me to kind of figure out how to play because I was like. I wanted there to be a bit of a difference between being like, I'm angry, like losing it to now, you know, sometimes the most powerful people are the quietest. And I was like, what if this could be a new kind of moment for her, a shift? Because it is the first time she's like genuinely losing it. And um yeah, watching it back, I was like, okay, interesting, because we did two different types we did again I'm like no no no, I want to try it this way I want to try it that way so we did do one where she did lose it and then we also did one that's more you know quiet and just she knew what she was doing and you know little look of the look in the eyes and then boom this whole explosion happened so it's it's always weird too as an actor to look back and to see which take they chose so um I would probably say that one but they you know, they chose the, the quieter ones. So I was like, all right, cool.
2: Go. I, I will say it, it caught me by surprise because it was different. And I feel like at that point in the show, especially at that point in the episode, as a cliffhanger for an episode. I mean, like that was so incredibly effective where after the credits hit, I was just like, holy shit, what happened? Well, thanks. Because I was like, I don't know if I made the right choice. Once again, I'm like, shit, should I have gone like more of, like, should I have gone bigger? Yeah, it's a, you know, they chose it, so I was like- It it works quite well, it was very effective in the moment. So here's a here's another big question ish but another part of the the process of making a show that always fascinates me compared to making a film is that when you make a film you go in knowing your character's full arc but when you're making a TV show there could like be major things about a character's past that you don't find out until your character needs it in the moment so it was making me wonder at what point were you told the the truth of where Bloom came from so that it informed your performance when necessary, but not too soon.
3: Yeah, you know, I,
2: you're completely right. And a lot of people don't
3: know that, but it about the, it coming like as the episodes, the same way for, for the audience, it's the same thing for the actor. Like, I don't know what I'm acting about the next episode. Like, I don't know how to transition into this. So yeah, I found out, um, I can't, I mean, it was like a year ago now. So I'm like trying to like pick my brain. Was like, what What did happen? Um, not on the show, but in the, in the filming process, um, I think I, well, I sat down with Brian in the beginning and I was like, can you just give me an overview, like just an idea. And, um, he gave me the overview. He didn't give me a lot of details. and basically told me, okay, in the first, like, however many episodes, Bloom is kind of, um, you know, she's struggling with the guilt of letting Rosalind out and kind of not trusting her now and kind of, you know, just found out this really big news about her past a little bit. And this is in the second season. Um, And then he said the next the rest of the episode, well, and then in the middle, she starts to trust Rosalind. So then I was like, okay, so then we need a shift here. And then at the end, you know, after she kills her, now she's back to being like, I miss Miss Dowling. I'm kind of coming into my own. And um, it was definitely, I mean, I don't know. It was interesting to kind of dissect and to figure out how to do. Because, again, we film out of order. so. Yeah, they're not shot chronologically. So um, it's kind of a difficult thing to navigate. And I had to learn pretty quickly um, how to do that. So I will, like, kind of create an outline before. And so I can, like, look at, like, you know, what happened before. It's, like, just, like, in it, like on a piece of paper with, like, little bullet notes. So I can, on set, be like, okay, this just happened. I can go into this. Um, but, again, some of the cast members don't even have to do that. And I'm so, like, in awe of how they just pull it off yeah so that's kind of all that I got so I didn't really know I just kind of knew like the overview and um it kind of it got out because um Danny is quite persistent and would go to go to Brian our showrunner like all the time and just be like hey Brian and like sit in his office and Brian, Brian would be like hello again what do you want He'd be like, so tell me more. Tell me about the series. And he finally, he got it out of him. And Danny called me immediately and was like, this is what happens. Like, (laughs) like Bloom finds this out and blah, blah, blah. So that was, that was helpful. But um, yeah, you really don't get a ton of info. And I know um, season one, I didn't get really much at all. So it was quite, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite different than doing a film because you have the beginning and the end And you can navigate how you want, like, each one to be. But, yeah, for then also season two, or each scene to be, for season two, it was more, um, yeah, just hoping that it it came across. And I did want to show kind of a, like, a, I guess a growth in Bloom and a difference between, you know, her being really... You know, in this season, she's quite like, it's so sad. She's quite blue all the time, you know, she's because she's going through so much. So um, I had to incorporate that along with kind of, you know, towards the end, having a more of a bittersweet realization. And And also in season two, I wanted her to be a little bit different than season one and a little bit more, you know, a little less explosive and erratic and i wanted it to be kind of show like there's you know a shift in her and a growth in her as well and with these new powers that she's like kind of honing in on so to answer your question i hope that answered it but that was a lot of that was a big answer
2: (laughs) i think we got there i'll i'll end with this one and it's i guess a very very specific dialogue and reaction shot question that maybe i have overthought but So at the very, very end of season two, Bloom seems pretty defeated when she walks through the portal at the end. But then we get some renewed hope in the reveal that her mother could be there. So what was it like for you on set figuring out what her expression should be as she discovers that? And then also the right way to say just like the single word mom, how much, you know, fear or curiosity or even excitement to have conveyed through that one word. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, that was the interesting thing,
3: too. Because it was, you know, she's, it's a, again, it's a bittersweet moment. It's not like a, a, an exciting moment for her. She knows what she has to do. She knows she needs to do this and leave the person that she loves, leave the people behind who have been nothing but, you know, supportive and loving to her and her first like real friendships and stuff. So um, I definitely wanted it to be, yeah, blue and bittersweet. And then almost I wanted it, to, to answer your question, we did the the mom line about like 50 times. I'm not kidding. It would be like mom, mom, mom. And then we were like, I'm not even kidding. And it was like, which one should we do? So um we definitely did it in a lot of different ways because once again, I'm like so indecisive. And I it is a hard, it was a weird line to do, especially ending the series with that. So um yeah, uh I think they just chose the one that they thought was going to give the biggest cliffhanger. And, um, yeah, but I, I kind of also wanted it to be a bit more like she's finally in this world and it's more of like a, almost a dream state for her of like, whoa, I feel like home or found in this. And then getting drawn towards that tower and just like almost knowing like what she's about to find. And then also being a little shocked by what she's, she finds and um, curious and sad and happy and all of those things. So, but we, to answer your question, we did it like 50 times. So I don't really, <laughs> I wish I could tell you like, oh yeah, no, I knew it was going to be this, but I really didn't. And I was like, hopefully this sticks and.
2: I mean, it's, it's tough when you have a single line that needs to convey so much and you could feel the weight of everything that you just rattled off there, which I think is totally necessary in a season-ending beat like that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean it. It was a very strong ending. I can't wait for more. I need to thank you so much for your time today. Huge congratulations on the Wing Saga season two, but also everything you've accomplished. And I can't wait to see season three and everything else that's to come for you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You're amazing. And I love chatting with you.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.